welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. It's great to see you all. If you're new to the church, just, just have a great time. You know, we love a great God. Uh, we love Jesus Christ. We put him absolutely in the center of our church. This is his church, and we are just obedient followers of him. Oh, that's a good cue for the topic this morning. <laughs> obedience. We're looking at obedience over this next two weeks, and uh, really, it's just the most incredible time of year. Uh, Jesus Christ changed the world, and the center of what he did is celebrated next weekend around the world. There'll be billions of people literally around the world in every nation, tribe, or almost every nation, tribe, and tongue celebrating uh, the risen Jesus Christ, who is God. And it's going to be incredible. So, so for us, it's a huge celebration as a church, and, and uh, we just love him with all our heart. And uh, so we're just going to do a couple of weeks on this topic of obedience. And some people don't like the topic of obedience because it, it sounds like someone's trying to control you. It sounds like it's you know, being locked in. But actually, it's one of the most liberating things we could explore. And in fact, it's talked about uh, often in the New Testament. In fact, most of, in fact, all the New Testament speakers, uh, the teachers and preachers in the New Testament we read about, including Jesus himself, talked about changed lives. Uh, they talked about becoming a new person, but they also talked fundamentally about obedience. It was right smack bang in the centre. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I heard something interesting recently. I know a guy, who's got five kids in this church? Oh, just Adam. <laughs> okay, well, it's not about Adam. It's about a guy called Tom, and a guy called Tom... Um, oh, there's another one. There's two in here. Three in here. Uh, there's a whole group of people with loads of kids. Okay, this is a story for you guys. Um, this guy called Tom, he, um, he won a raffle prize, and he won a beautiful toy, this raffle prize. And he went home to his five kids, and he thought, which one do I give this prize to? So he got all the five kids together, little, you know, little eyes looking up, and said, hey, kids, um, who's been the most obedient in the house this week? The kids look at each other mystified and they look at the present. They look at the father and they, they don't know what to say. And uh, he says, okay, who's done everything mummy tells them to do? And they're looking at each other thinking. <laughs> and then finally he says, who does everything they're supposed to when mummy says, jump, you jump? And they look at each other and they go, okay, dad, you can have the toy. <laughs> Uh, who identifies with that? <clears throat> a few of the guys' hands just shot up. Okay, well, I believe it's not going to be like that in heaven. <laughs> I hope. Anyway, so why obedience? I'm just going to move briskly through this, but I'm quite excited because obedience, why am I starting with a kind of humorous thing? Because obedience is actually one of the most exciting things you could ever discover. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have talked about it. God wouldn't have brought it into the conversation. It's not about being controlled, it's about liberty actually. There's a huge, and I want to explore that this morning because as we talk about Jesus, he was the epitome of obedience. He was the, I mean, I'll choke up if I talk about him too much because his obedience has made a way for us. You know, he's made it possible for you to be here today. He's, 
He's changed the world because of his own obedience. So, so he's the master of discussing on this topic. And as we talk about it this morning, I think it's a must for us to just be relaxed about it. But there are three important questions. The first question I would say is why obedience? Well, because Jesus presented obedience to us. It says in Romans, and I love the book of Romans, that's a pretty, if you're a brand new Christian, a follower of Jesus, the book of Romans takes you right into the steak and chips of, of, of the word of God. It goes right into the meat. But there's some brilliant verses, particularly Romans 5, and it talks about this contrast between sin and, and not sin and various other things, some pretty heavyweight stuff. But if you ever want to know about fundamental theology, then dip into Romans. But this verse 19, just a part of that verse said, says, and it's a culmination after a few verses actually before it, it says, by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And of course, the one man's disobedience that we're talking about here, of course, is the story of Adam and the fall. And we know um, that the story of Adam at the beginning in the book of Genesis and the, the fall and, and the, 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 the coming of sin into the world, um, the world didn't actually understand the nature of sin, really. It just did sin. Uh, it was only when the law came through Moses that God gave them the law. They were able to understand sin for the first time, to properly understand it. Even though sin had, was destroying lives, people getting killed, damage was being done. Um, but it was through one man's disobedience that many were made sinners. The world is a sinful place. It is not a good place. There are some good things in the world, don't get me wrong. And there's a lot of nice people, good people. We've got many friends who are not Christians, not followers of Jesus, who we would say are good people. Um, but the world is, is a place where sin dwells. <clears throat> but it says, by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. One man. It's, it, there is, it's not by a philosophy. It's not by a mystical religion. It's not by the Pope. It's not by the Archbishop of Canterbury. It's not by some other theory. It's not by science. By one man. By one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. What I really love about this, if you can just let it kind of marinate you, like that kind of peppercorn sauce. (laughs) The one man's obedience. Obedience is at the heart of every change in life. It's at the heart of change. It's at the heart of your change. It's the heart of my change. If we want to see change, obedience... (laughs) Is fundamental. Obedience is the point. It's a massive, pivotal point. It's a, it's a point of complete transformation. Obedience. Obedience is, is, you want to see a change in your life, you know, don't put your hands up. We invite people to put hands up often in the church, but don't put your hands up. Who wants to see a change in their life? Who feels that their life needs to change right now? Come on, the word obedience. The word obedience is a change point. There is nothing about the word obedience that won't create change in your life. There's nothing. The word obedience will create change in your life. It's a massive change agent. It's a point of choice. Why is it that obedience does this? Because obedience establishes identity. Obedience establishes identity. Identity sits in the place of obedience. Wherever you put your allegiance, your obedience, that's where your identity is formed. You may think you're something, but what you do about it is, is visible to others. And often people can see your life clearer than you can see your own. Um, but the word obey has negative connotations. It, it sounds like control. It sounds like, oh, is that God who's just trying to control people? Or is that somebody trying to control people? But let me tell you, whatever you submit to and obey becomes your controller. Whatever it is. 
and dare I say it, our lives are controlled by things that we don't want to have in control in our life. But I want to give you a very simple thought for a second. The cost of obedience is nothing compared with the cost of disobedience. Right? We may feel that obedience is not a discussion, just like the kids. I mean, my kids are masters <laughs> of uh, learning what it is to become obedient. <laughs> they are, they are, they're wired. We're all wired when we're born almost to be disobedient. That's how we're kind of wired. We, you know, I don't know many kids. <laughs> Maybe you have perfect kids. I'm looking at Andy and Tina, and I know their kids are perfect. Uh, <laughs> no way. Um, you know, when you see them screaming across the church, over the platform, into the drum kit, around the guitars, into the baptistry, and they haven't even made a decision for Christ yet. Um, <laughs> then you know... Kids are wired for disobedience. So the cost of obedience is nothing compared to the cost of disobedience. That's a huge thing. If you want to live a life of disobedience, you will pay a much bigger price than you will if you choose a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. So how do we move this forward? Biblical obedience actually is nothing like control. These are the characteristics of biblical obedience. It's based on love, trust and action. That's what obedience is. Biblical obedience is love, trust and action. It starts with love. For God so loved the world that he gave. But Jesus so loved the Father that he obeyed. Well, that rhymes. That wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> but isn't it interesting? God gave, but Jesus obeyed. It's love. Love is in the centre of it. God knew before the creation of the world that he was going to have to step in personally. He would have to become incarnate in the man, Jesus Christ, to bring his love to a broken and dying world. That's what it's all about. Biblical obedience is love first. It's loving people first. It's love first. It's motivated by love. It's not motivated by control. It's motivated by love. Biblical obedience is love followed by trust. Because love always trusts, if I remember rightly. The biblical definition of love is that it trusts love has to learn to trust but we don't know how to trust because we've had so many broken experiences that actually our trust levels are generally quite low and so that step of faith putting our trust in Jesus it takes time to get to because we don't fundamentally trust people <laughs> we don't trust life very much we're, we're trying to build for retirement we're building for a safe environment for our kids why is the issue of safeguarding, in, in, we have a preschool here with up to 65 children. Why is safeguarding such a massive issue now? It never was when I was a kid that age. You never heard about it. I suppose that's because the sin was unrevealed, un I suppose. But, but love and trust, there are so many people having to navigate what it is to really trust. But, but if you have love and you have trust, then you can take action. And so biblical obedience is all about those three things. It's about love becoming overwhelming in our lives, becoming something we choose to, to recognise, becoming something we respond to, and then we begin to put that trust into action. And we, and we do things. It's actually about doing stuff. John 14, 15 um, says, um, If you love me, you will obey what I command. John 14, 15. But here in Hebrews eleven seventeen. Um, we, we discover a bit about Noah. It was by faith that Noah, this is New Testament referring to the Old Testament, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. Do you get that? He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. 
When it comes to obedience, God draws us to obedience and a point of obedience because he knows you're about to experience something that's never happened before. And when we get to that point of obedience versus disobedience, when God brings that conviction, that challenge, that thought, that something that's never happened before is about to happen, and you get that choice to be obedient or to be disobedient, what a huge cost you could be about to pay. It could be massive. What would have happened if Noah had disobeyed? What would have happened? We know the, this is all around the flood and the ark was built to preserve a family and, and, and God wanted to wipe out the world because of sin. We know that. We know that God just couldn't bear to, to face humanity that had been so fallen and yet in his grace he provided a way. And in our lives, when we get to that point of obedience versus disobedience, you may feel, hang on, do I, there's a hard call. Obedience is costly. Obedience costs something. Obedience is, is probably working against status quo. It's working against what your friends who don't follow Jesus will say. It's working against those at college. It's working not against them as people, but against what they value. It's those values that we, we have in, in us because of what Jesus has done for us that enables us to make those choices. So based on love and trust and then action, if we make the wrong action when that point of obedience comes, what is the consequence? God knows what's in front of us. God knew what was in front of Noah. God knew what the world was heading to. He knows where your life is going. He knows what your actions will produce. He already knows it. And he says, are you going to love me? Are you going to trust me? As I reveal what you need to do, I'll give you that little inner thought, that conviction. My spirit will work in your conscience and challenge you about an adjustment, whatever that adjustment is, you choose to ignore that, he already knows what the future is. But he doesn't force you, he never will. Why? Because it always starts with love. It's not about control, it's about love. And so biblical obedience is about learning and unpicking the distrust that's in our lives. You know, Eric and Lisa are preparing now to go to Macedonia. It makes me shudder thinking about how soon that is. Uh, Eric, who did the offering this morning, and... uh, and God is, you may say, oh, they've been missionaries for years. It, it doesn't make any difference. Obedience always costs and obedience is always difficult. There's nothing easy about making a decision to take your whole family from the UK through to a country you've never lived in before, create a home, um, establish a relationship in a predominantly Muslim environment in what is arguably one of the most difficult parts of the whole of Europe where there's less than 0.1% Christian population. They can't just, there is no Christian, living Christian evangelical church in that part of Macedonia, in Western Macedonia. And yet they're going to take their family right into that. And so God presents them with the opportunity. Will you be obedient or will you be disobedient? And they may think it's just their choice, but it's not. God's calling them and the door is open. They have to decide to step through it. It's a tough one. But some things are difficult. It's difficult. It's difficult. You know, Martin Lloyd-Jones said, love is not just a sentiment. Love is a great controlling passion. And it always expresses itself in terms of obedience. Isn't it interesting? It always expresses itself in obedience. So have we got love in our lives? Do we really love God? Do we really obey? It's a challenge. And I think God would bring that to us this morning as a thought. Um, you know, obedience isn't always popular, 
But when you go and make a decision about something that's unpopular, you're, you're standing out against the crowd. Does anybody recognize this photo? For the French in the room who are going through having translation this morning, and I think there are, we have two uh, being translated this morning, um, that, of course, is the Eiffel Tower. Now, um, this has got nothing to do with obedience per se. It's got everything to do with going against the grain. Because, did you like my little comment on the side? <laughs> the Grand Slam was finally... Did you hear that, Rob? The gra- <laughs> It was great. I set up to watch it. Um, <clears throat> So, um, when the Eiffel Tower was built, do you, who remembers Alexander Dumas, the author, The Three Musketeers? Remember, remember the book? You've probably seen it on TV. The, well, the, this Eiffel Tower was built in 1889 to celebrate the World Trade Fair. But when it was built, Alexander Dumas, who was much loved, was very offended by the building of this structure. Now, this is iconically French, garlic and the Eiffel Tower. Uh, garlic first, the Eiffel Tower second, probably. But, um, we, you know, and berets, etc. So, um, but the Eiffel Tower uh, was conceived and built in 1889. But Alexander Dumas said about the Eiffel Tower, we, the writers, painters, sculptors, architects, and lovers of the beauty of Paris, do protest with all our vigour and all our indignation in the name of French taste and engendered French art and history against the useless and monstrous Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Extraordinary, isn't it? Now, that has, I'm not relating to obedience in it. I'm just talking about the contrast of moving out of the normal to the unusual. But if we're obedient, we will go into the unusual, but it will become a landmark in our life. Now, the Eiffel Tower is now probably the epitome of what it means to be French. It's probably the most symbolic Uh, maybe the Mona Lisa, who knows? But the Eiffel Tower, in any shot of France, anywhere in the world, you'll see a picture of the Eiffel Tower because it's iconic now. And we wouldn't want to know about Paris without the Eiffel Tower. For us, it it is French. It it almost is French. But but you get this choice point. And and if you're going to do what everybody else thinks you should do, even if the voices like Alexander Dumas are compelling voices that say, no, 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 stay conformed, stay conformed, then you'll be disobedient when God says to you, no, 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 time to do something that others don't like. And that's the point. That's the point I want to make, that we have to stand out and then we will build in our lives something that will draw people. We'll build something in our lives that becomes memorable because they'll go, that's the one that stood out from the crowd. That's the one who was prepared to take a stand. That's the one who who had values that they were prepared to live by, even though it was different to everybody else. And I still see some of my old um, colleagues I used to work with years ago when I first went into full-time work. In fact, my boss at the time, and I've mentioned it before in the church here, he still comes to me and he's absolutely challenged to his core about his own lack of Christian walk. And uh, why? Because, because I nailed my colours to the mast very early on. So that was the first point. Why obedience? Because ab- obedience is crucial to your future that God knows all about and it's critical for others to see it. So, Why is obedience important? Second key point, obedience places you under the authority of what or who you choose to obey. Obedience places you under the authority of what or who you choose to obey. And when you put your patterns of life under a thing or a company or an organisation or a a set of philosophies or or a whole set of values that are not kingdom values you will basically be giving your authority to that thing. 
And that thing might be a dead thing. It may not even be a living thing. It might be an, an idol of some sort. It might be something that is mechanical or structural. It might even be a house. You might be living for your whole house, you know, your whole life for a house. You, that might be your ultimate goal in life is to, is to get your mortgage paid off in a house, which is a, it's not, a, not, a, not an inappropriate thing to do. But if that's all it is, we're placing our choices all around conforming to somebody else's set of patterns, which could change could change at any point. But obedience places you under the authority of what or who you choose to obey. This is what, enter Jesus Christ. Enter Jesus Christ. And this is what he said, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. It's incredible, isn't it? It's not... It leads to it. It is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And our tie line for this very short Easter run, obedience, what the Father says, is absolutely the core of what we're talking about. Obedience is choosing to put authority, yourself under the authority of the right, the right power. The right power, the right thing. And in Jesus' case, he knew the Father. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. So even though we believe in a trinity, a Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who are all God, we believe in the trinity. Jesus has deferred to the Father in relationship. And he said, um, he has given me a commandment. He has given me a commandment of what to say and what to speak. Now, I've referred to the ESV, and I often use the New Living Translation when I I preach because I find it very readable. But actually, it's interesting because the ESV makes this point, what to say and what to speak. And actually, in the original (coughs) Greek, it says that, what to say and what to speak. These two things are different. It's not just what you say, it's what you speak as well. What you say, that word is Greek lego. Sounds like building blocks, doesn't it? Um, it's what you give out. What, what you say is almost what you represent. It's, it's who you are. It's what, what are you to somebody else. It's what are they reading? What are they hearing from your life? Yes, it's used for vocal, but, but it's what does your life say to somebody? What to say and then what to speak. But you see the levels of detail that God's gone to. He, he doesn't just stop at who you are and what you look like. It, it goes right down to the words that Jesus is using. That relationship can be so close that we can have our lives patterned after God, after Jesus Christ himself, but also God's word can come so alive into our experience that we begin to know how to speak. So when we're, you know, we love lost people in the church. We love because we were all lost at some point. We love the world. We love the people we know in the world. We care about people around us. We love those friends of ours. We love those family members who don't yet know the truth of salvation. We love them. But God not only will help change what you are and how you say who you are through who you are, but also the things you speak. So you could, you know, we've got the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit himself can give you the very words in a conversation. And I've done that many, many, many times. In one-on-one conversation, I'm thinking, my, my, my head is listening to the person, but my heart is also listening to the Holy Spirit. What are you saying right now, Father, to me in the situation? And Jesus was a proven practitioner of knowing how to be in communication with people and yet know what the Father's saying. Real time. And you can do that. You can do that. It's amazing. Our obedience, our willingness, just our willingness to be submitted to the Father gives us this ability not only to carry what the Father is like, and Jesus is what the Father is like, 
but to speak on behalf of God. It's incredible to me that God has trusted salvation and the keys of the kingdom to the church. It's amazing. And Rick did a great job yesterday and Friday showing us about discipleship and how discipleship not only helps the other person, but it actually is critical for us to be built up. We are built up as we actively disciple another person. It was a great, great time yesterday here at the church and on Friday evening, recognising that God's plan for discipleship is that we disciple others, but we are discipled at the same time. And we actually grow in our faith as we are trying to bring an understanding of faith to somebody else. Isn't that incredible that God does that? He's got this synergy. His word is living and active. And God is wanting to breathe. You know, our vision here at BCC, it's not, we have got some amazing things going on right now, which we can't fully discuss, but we have got a deep, deep conviction that God is going to seriously grow this church. We are completely convinced about God's plan to grow and expand BCC. This church will be getting bigger and bigger and bigger in the next four years. It's going to be significantly growing. It already is significantly growing. The fact that there's another baptism after in the next service, there'll be two people being baptised, and there were going to be four, but the other two, for various reasons, aren't able to do that today. But we've got next month, and we're going to bring them in together with those already on the plan to be baptised next month. Isn't it exciting that God's word is so clearly being spoken through what you say and what you speak in the life of the church that people's lives are changing? It's down to what you do and what we do together that's making all this difference. It's incredible. It's incredible. But did you know that in the New Testament, more than a thousand times, there is some form of commandment in the New Testament? In the New Testament, Jesus' instructions, things to do, um, love your enemies, forgive the people who hurt you. It's not easy loving your enemies. It's not easy. You know, if a man asks you for something, give them something else as well generosity, all these things, their instructions, their commands. Why? Because God wants to do stuff in our lives. He wants to change what people see as normal. His commands are often difficult. They seem unreasonable. They seem unrealistic. They seem impossible, some of God's commands. They seem it. They seem it, but God knows you can do it. God knows that we can carry his responsibility. God knows that we can be instruments of change, agents of change. You know, God says things like... um, You should save sex for marriage. He's not being mean, by the way, when he says that. He's looking after your interests because that will produce security and happiness in your future. That's why he does it. It's not because he's a killjoy. It's because he knows what's good for us and what's good for, for the people he's made. He knows what it's all about. He knows why he's doing what he's doing. So what does God promise and why is obedience important? What does God promise? What does God promise? He promises the power to protect us if we're obedient. The Lord watches over those who obey him, it says in Psalm 33. God watches over those who obey him. In fact, there's so many scriptural references. I've just plucked out ones and twos here and there. It says in Psalm 14, God is with those who obey him. Obedience draws God's involvement in your life so fast because he knows you're taking a risk when you, because you're loving him, you're trusting him, and you're taking an action. And he loves that. That's called faith. When you love him, you trust him, and you take an action. The Bible describes it as obedience, but God sees that as your faith in action. And so God is with you. He watches over those who obey him. He watches. Now, he might let you 
bump up against a few more challenges. He might let you walk into a situation where you think, oh, how am I going to... There's just another little opportunity to demonstrate your love and your trust and your action. And, and you will get there. You've probably been there this week. You may have had it multiple times this week where you've been challenged about an obedience issue in your life. But God is with those who obey him. Obedience is the key to real faith. You want to see more faith in your life? You know, people say, Lord, more faith. I want, to, I want, to be, I want greater faith. How about greater obedience? It's a great way of getting to greater faith. It's awesome. It's the power to protect the power to, why is obedience important? Because it gives you the power to be protected. Secondly, not only is it the power to protect, it's the wisdom to direct. It's the wisdom. Obedience brings wisdom that directs us. It's wisdom to direct. All who obey his commands will grow in wisdom. You may be thinking, I wish I had some more wisdom in my life. Let's just take it back a little step. Let's just do the, the choice thing. Do we love? Do we trust? Will we take action? Love, trust, action. All who obey his commands will grow in wisdom. Our wisdom will grow automatically. It will just happen as we are obedient. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. The word demand seems quite strong, but, but God wants us. Why is there a demand in there? Because God knows what the future's about. It's the Noah situation. God knows what you are going to go through next. And he doesn't necessarily stick you... The Bible says he always provides a route through any temptation and any situation. He provides a way through it. So what do we do when we get that check, that little question in our heart? What's the right thing? You feel the prompt of God's spirit, feel that sense of conscience. You've read it in the word. Maybe someone's spoken to you about something. You didn't like it. The heckles rose. But God is speaking into your situation. He will speak to you about these areas because he wants your wisdom to grow. He wants you to demonstrate your trust in him, your faith in action with him. So wisdom brings power to protect, wisdom to direct, and provision to affect. They all rhyme nicely, but it was effectively he wants to bless your life. God is wanting to bless your life. He's looking to bless your life. And we have received from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Obedience produces blessing, incredible blessing. It's all attached to the choice, that love, trust and action that we take. That love, trust and action that we take. If you obey the Lord your God, you're t- oh, I've condensed um, Deuteronomy 28, um, but it's amazing. If you obey the Lord your God, your towns and your fields will be blessed, your children and your crops will be blessed, the offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed, uh, blessed. Uh, your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed, wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. This is a principle that God laid down in the old part of the Bible, the early scriptures in Deuteronomy. If you obey the Lord your God, obedience doesn't stop at the new covenant. When Jesus came, he just modelled obedience fully in himself. That's what he did. And he knows that in this word obedience is everything we need for life. Everything. We draw God's power to protect, his wisdom to direct, and his provision to effect. Not only you, but everybody else. That's what happens because you're, we know that when things multiply in our lives, they overflow. It's out of the overflow of your life that God is changing people around you. You know, I, I spoke to Susie. You know, Susie, um, well, you know, Paulette has been abroad recently. And uh, Susie, I don't know if she sent you the... You, I, I'm thinking she sent it just to me, a photograph. But I reckon most people, a lot of people probably got Susie's photo. But do you recognise this photo? 
Did, did anyone get that photo? She was at Heathrow dropping Paulette off at the airport. And I love this. She sends this photo through of someone she just bumped to at the, air, into, at the airport. Pastor, I can't even read it from here. Pastor, because hardcore devil-stomping ninja isn't an official job title. <laughs> I, quite, I quite like that. I'm thinking, what can I... looks like Vlad, actually. Like. <laughs> but but there's, there's tattoos under the arms, so don't go there. Anyway, obedience leads to confidence. Once you've started to trust God and take those steps of obedience, it will build confidence in you. That guy has got bucket loads of confidence. You can see he's had a full life as well, I'm pretty certain. At some point, he's come to faith, and now that guy... I guess he's a pastor. I don't know who he is, but that's the back of the guy that Susie bumped into at Heathrow recently. It leads to confidence. Obedience leads to confidence. It's not an everyday sight seeing someone like that walking down the street. But anyway, maybe that's how we should train our pastors. Maybe part of our our training program should include heavy-duty weights, special T-shirts, and a tattoo session. Who knows? What do you reckon, Adam? Are you up for it, and Vlad? Who else is up for that? Oh, yes, there's a few here. Good, okay. Well, that's part of our training program to become a pastor. So, anyway. (laughs) So, it's interesting, isn't it? So, obedience leads to confidence. So, God's, the word obedience is all about building you up, not about controlling you. It's about giving you information. It's about adding provision to your life. So, it's about doing the right things. So, how to be obedient. Uh, Deuteronomy 5.33 says, Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosper. (laughs) Sounds like something out of... Is it Star Trek? Star Trek. See, you think Star Trek was the original thinking process. It's not. It all came from the Word of God. Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow and you will live long and prosperous lives. But, you know, obedience can be full or partial. It, we, can be, we can be selective about our obedience. We can, we can be fully obedient and do whatever God asks without hesitation and just get stuck in. Or we can be partially obedient and we can pick and choose the commands we like or don't like. Hmm, let's just think about this. I'll attend church, but I won't tithe. There's a thought. Ah, I wonder what else we do partially. I'll read my Bible, but I won't forgive the person who hurt me. I'll serve with the car park team but I won't invite my friends to anything in the life of the church. Interesting, isn't it? We can, we can be selective in practice about what we do. And God's saying, come on, be quick to be responsive to what I do. When I challenge you, when the Holy Spirit that's living in you, when you get that prompt, be quick to respond. Be quick. Don't give yourself space to think about whether you're going to be obedient or not. Just do it. Just do it. Sounds like a Nike advert. Just do it. How do we receive God's promises? We do it wholeheartedly. There's a great verse here in Romans. Thank God, once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching. This is in Romans. Wholeheartedly. It's with our whole heart. Obedience starts to reveal our whole heart. The whole nature of our whole heart. You know, it's an interesting little line there on the bottom of that slide. Delayed obedience is really disobedience. How many, you know that's true, don't you? I mean... My kids, they're a great source of material for me this morning. But do they always do what they're told when they're told to do it? The answer is no, they don't. And sometimes it can be an hour later. (laughs) Sometimes it can be a day later. Sometimes it can be a week later. And sometimes it never happens. It's because the wiring for um, delayed obedience is really disobedience. And actually, we don't like it, do we? If we don't like it, what does God think? What does God think? We're grown-ups. 
We're responsible. He's trusting us with the keys of his kingdom. He's giving us an incredible church. We've got great friends. We've got a great opportunity. He's, he's given us his spirit to empower us. He's giving us foreknowledge about the future. He's leading, guiding, navigating. But we're selective. <laughs> we're selective. Now, I've gone just far enough. No, God wants us to be obedient quickly. He wants us to move wholeheartedly without delay. He wants us to respond. And maybe there's someone in this meeting this morning and you know, you know, God is speaking to you right now and you know you are delaying a decision that you know you've got to make. And you know that that decision is one that God is saying because it means that you're obedient to him. You've got to because he knows what the future's about. He knows what you're going to step into next. He knows all about that next step in your life. And he's saying, do you love me? Do you trust me? Will you take action? Do you love me? Trust me? Will you take action? But he wants us to do it. He wants us to be obedient, to obey God immediately, completely, joyfully and authentically. That's how he wants us to be obedient. Immediately. It says in Psalm 119, I'll hurry without delay to obey your commands. It says in the same Psalm, you have laid down precepts and they are to be fully obeyed. So, The writer of Psalm 119 knows what it means to to respond quickly, to respond completely, to respond joyfully. How I delight in your commands, how I love them. How can you possibly love being told what to do? Well, when you realise that when you're told what to do and you trust God, when you love him, you trust him and you take action, you suddenly see the impossible happen. You see the supernatural happen. And God's desire is that you will see the impossible happen in your situation. He says, trust me, love me, trust me, take action, because you are about to see the impossible happen. I'm nervous right now, I'll tell you, because as of last week, we were away for a few days, we started to conceive, what is God speaking to us about the church and its future? And actually, I've got myself pulled into a very uncomfortable place, because Adam's smiling at me as I, as I say this, because he knows. I sat there squirming as I felt God saying, do you love me? Do you trust me? Will you take action? And believe me, when you know you've got to take a step of faith, you've, it's got to be something that you can't answer. It's got to be something that you can't do in your own strength. When we trust God by faith, we have got to step right into the impossible. That's obedience. Right now, I'm having to learn. You know, at the beginning of the last series, do you remember um, uh, discovering our God-given capacity? What happened in the very first week of that series? Well, Vlad was very generous with his introductions, but that whole AOG responsibility came out of nowhere in the first week, discovering our God-given capacity. I couldn't have told you that was going to happen a week earlier. In fact, I was actively resisting even the potential of something like that happening. But what's God going to say now? Now we're talking about obedience. He's going to say, step right into the impossible and trust me. Step right into the impossible. If we live in the possible, I don't think that's actually obedient. I think if you stay in the possible, you're disobedient. Why? Because God says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you have got to step into the impossible to be obedient to God. You've got to step there. You've got to go right into the most difficult scenario. In fact, in fact, you could be it's not disobedient to go and find the most difficult situation you've ever found in your life and step right into it. Really, you could go, you know what? I trust God so much. I'm going to step right into the most impossible situation I can think right now and just see if he'll turn up because he says, when I obey him, he's with me. He gives me wisdom. Now, we've got to be smart. But you know what? There's a whole lot more we can do. There is. There's a whole lot more we can do. There's a whole lot more we as individuals can do. You know, there's a whole lot more. We want to encourage the whole church right now to be inviting friends and connections and network people and showing them God's love. We can model a relationship with God like nobody else on the planet. Why? 
because you've got one. And there's a lot of people on this planet don't have a relationship with God. They don't know what it is to step into the impossible and trust God that he's going to be with you. They don't know what it is to be obedient to God. You do. They don't know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You do. They don't know what it is to to change your direction and say, I'm not going to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. You do. They don't. You know stuff that people outside in our communities know nothing about. And yet we conform ourselves to their patterns. God just says, be obedient to me. Step into the impossible and watch me step in there with you. And when you do, you'll be amazed because you can't fulfill what's in God's heart in your own strength. Only you can do it with his strength. It's amazing, isn't it, what God does. So music team, join me. We're going to sing a song now. We're going to stand. But you know, I started this talk this morning with Romans 5, 19. By one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. By one man's obedience. Jesus is the model for us of obedience. So why don't you stand this morning? We're going to sing a song now. We're just going to bring ourselves into God's presence and say, God, that's me. I want to step myself into what may seem impossible right now. I'm going to step myself there. I'm not going to live in my comfort zone. I'm going to step into the impossible as I go forward. I'm going to choose to be obedient. I'm going to choose to make an obedient step. And I want us to sing now this song. I'm not sure what song it is, Adam. Oh, Amazing Grace. God's Amazing Grace. I love this song. That always chokes me up. So I gave my life to Jesus listening to this song being sung. And let me just tell you, God's got so much planned for you. Just like Noah, he knows in his Noah, right? He knows. He knows what's happening next. He just says, come on, be obedient to me. Take that step of obedience. Don't, Don't mess around. Get on with it. Do the right thing. You have got everything in your experience to make a good decision. And even if you think it might, you might get it wrong, God says, you know, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You just do the right thing. Do what I tell you to do. I'll be with you. I'll give you the wisdom. I'll protect you. I'll navigate you. So let's come and sing this song.